This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 518, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 518. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And literally from the desert in the middle of nowhere, Ron Richards. I, I have no idea where I am or how I'm getting home, but I, I'm here. I found a Wi-Fi signal, so I'm here. So we apologize ahead of time if there's any bad audio on Ron's side because he, he's in the desert for real. It's literally already more entertaining than The Hangover 2. Is yeah, this uh, some sort of like witness protection situation going on? Uh, maybe I can't really talk about it, so maybe we should just get on with the show. Right. I like that our stories are always crime based <laughs> because the most the, the most like ridiculous thing that we can think of for us is that we're running from the law. <laughs> like because we are the guys who are like oh right over here, officer. What can I help you with? <laughs> we are. Right, <laughs> <I'm> right. <laughs> he stole the guy's wallet. 
We are iFanboy. We like comics. Every week we read our stack of comics. One of us picks their favorite book, and we call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books, talk about some stuff, some things. Maybe you're going to read some listener mail. Uh, we're hoping it'll be a good time for you and more so for us. If I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, listen, if it's not fun for me, why do I care? I don't even know most of you. Uh, here's your spoiler warning. We're talking about what happens in the book, so do the math on that one. Come on, people. Connor, you had the week, the pick of the week. Yes, I, I did. Today. What's wrong with you? No. Are you on meth? Did Ron go to the desert <laughs> to get you meth? I think this recovery pro, I don't know if you, my voice sounds a lot better. I'm feeling a lot better, but I may, I may still have a little touch of something. All right. Well, pick of the week with Superman American Alien number three. Story by Max Landis, art by Joel Jones, and uh, this has been a very interesting series. This this seven issue miniseries that Max Landis is writing with different artists for every issue. I liked the first issue quite a bit. Really hated the second issue. Loved the third issue. So I, what's kind of fun about it is I have no idea what I'm going to get with each new issue because it's sort of an anthology format. Uh, it's following the life of Clark Kent as he grows up, but it's a different aspect of his life a different time of his life so i don't you don't really know it's not like there's a story thread going on so you never know what you're gonna get like well, i suppose and this is this is this is a, a not really an elephant in a room but it's a thing in a room I, I, you ha, do you have feelings on max landis and does that affect you one way or another with the book i have no opinion on max landis i know he's polarizing in our quote-unquote our community but i, I don't really he, he just likes to he likes to be noticed yeah i mean That's i've met him a couple of times we met him uh he actually was at an ifanboy party at comic-con and he was at MorrisonCon that Ron threw a couple of years ago. And he seemed perfectly nice when I met him. So I don't know. I He's entertaining. Sure that's, 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 for, that's for sure. <laughs> so if you recall, this is sort of a different take on Superman. The first issue, he was younger. The second issue, it was he was a teenager in high school, but everyone in the town knew his identity. And the third issue, he's now off. I, I doesn't, doesn't I really say how old he is. I guess he's still a teenager. But he's going to the Bahamas. On a vacation, I guess, and ends up crashing his plane. That's not really important why he's going to the Bahamas. The plane he's in crashes, him and the pilot. He saves he won the, a Bahamas vacation. Right. He saves the pilot, and a passing yacht, he, he ends up climbing aboard, and it turns out it's Oliver Queen's yacht. They're having a big birthday party for Bruce Wayne, even though Bruce Wayne has not been around since he was a little kid. They do it sort of as, it seems like they do it sort of as like a joke every year. Like the Bruce Wayne birthday party, sort of like the white a white party, and everyone thinks he's Bruce Wayne because he kind of looks like him. So they just decide he's Bruce Wayne, and then do you think is, instead of a white party, is it more like Passover? <laughs> yes, it's kind of like Passover. Right. Well, what just happened? <laughs> you would know better than we would. Yeah, I know, Josh. I thought you'd jump all over that. Prophet Elijah, you keep a chair for him. Yeah, yeah. Is I don't, the, I don't, I don't go to that side of the family events all that often. <laughs> There's no superheroing really in the story. It's just Clark, maybe for the first time, getting to fully relax because nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows what he can do. Everyone thinks he's Bruce Wayne. He gets to hang out with a really hot redhead. Quote, unquote, hang out. Right. I just love this. So there's a page where he's, he's not really sure. People are calling him Bruce Wayne. He's not really comfortable. He meets the redhead. She gives him some champagne. She says, if you can't be yourself, be someone else for a while. It might be fun. And then you turn the page and he's on a fucking jet ski. I'm Bruce Wayne! And it just, it just was nice to see. It's uh, that's, uh, that Russell Hammond from The Roof is what that is. <laughs> right. It's just, you know, he's I DJing. Feel like poor, I feel like that's poor judgment. He's going to be fine. Yeah. That's another point. He has, he has literally nothing to worry about. And right, he has right. no impulse control because he's a kid. He's right, DJing. He's drinking martinis. He's... By the way, the alcohol yeah. affects him. Yeah. So it's a little bit different. Uh, then, then, uh, I guess he was, it was extra special, but either way. I also um, like when you turn the page again, the, the grizzled old fat uh, pilot is in a jacuzzi, <laughs> which I, I don't think I picked up on the first time. I just thought this was super fun. I take my Superman where I can get him. And I, like, I always like seeing the human side of Clark. He's often portrayed yes. as a Jesus figure or this infallible Boy Scout, but you know he's, he's a person, and I like to see him, especially as a younger, younger person, act like a person. A lot of that going on in the Gene Yang Superman right now. Yes. Clark as a person. Uh, different thing altogether. And uh, also, it would be, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the super awesome fight with Deathstroke who shows up to assassinate Bruce Wayne and he just flicks him with his finger and sends him flying yeah. off the yacht. And we never Drunken, see him. Drunkenly flicks him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we never see him again. And just, oh, well, that, yeah, that's the thing is that he, sh- he, he shot him up, uh, Deathstroke shot him up with like toxins or, or whatever, yeah, the neurotoxin, yeah. and it, it only made him seem like he was drunk. It didn't knock him out, you know, but so, yeah, so that was just, 
Yeah, Summer. it was one of those answers to the question that they were kind of leading. Wait, why is he drunk? Oh, that's why he's drunk. But still, yeah. I just want to call out Joelle Jones. Mm-hmm. I think yes. if you were to ask me why I liked this issue, uh, it was, boy, she she did a great job. I really enjoyed her work. And, and to call out specifically the very first page, that is a lot of content in one page done very well. Uh, yep. Basically, your first panel is, is about half the page. You know, we're going down speed lines. You know, big big letters, letters by John Workman. If you don't know what that means, look it up. Oh, they kind of explain John Workman in three sort of inset panels. They explain you know what happened, where he is, and then in between those panels, you see the plane going down. That is that is one hell of a page. Yes, it's really impressive. That was my point. That was what I was going to say. Yeah, and and you mentioned you mentioned John Workman, who from a lettering standpoint is a legend, and you know, and like seeing what I like about this little whatever this miniseries or whatever this is is the is the art rotation, mm-hmm. and yeah. like wh- when would you see Joelle Jones on a Superman book? And but this is the perfect su- story for her, you know, like she did it great. And she's yeah, so it's it's and, and she drew Deathstroke great, you know, she drew the the big dumb weird villain guy, and you know, like just because just because a lot of these indie artists have done a lot of you know like relationshipy books or romance things or things like that doesn't mean they can't step up and do a Superman story and this is a great example yeah, that, of that. That's yeah. actually the least dumb I've seen Deathstroke look since the New 52 started. Yeah. So yeah. she actually yeah. does a really good job here. Colors um, are nice too. Rico Renzi. This is a good team right here. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, what's great fun about this book is that yeah. the stories have been a little weird, at least the second one, but this, the art team has been wonderful and yeah. uh, it's nice to see them doing different kinds of people on a Superman type book. So uh, you got the cover in front of you? Yes. Look in the reflections of uh, his glasses. His sunglasses. Yeah, his sunglasses there on the front. Okay. Now, the left side, that's a female body. Fair enough. Right. The right side, some hanky-panky going on in there. What is that? (laughs) It's bodies. (laughs) Looks like there's two pigs going at it. It's hanky-panky. That's what that is. (laughs) I actually really like the Joel Jones cover, too. Yeah, the Joel is very sexy. Yeah, the tan line thing? Yeah. yeah. It's nice. It's, It's good stuff. And then the issue ends with... With Bruce Wayne discovering he's been impersonated while he's training with Ra's al Ghul. So um, I just thought it was fun. And I, th- yeah. I just love this take on, on Clark. And I may not totally agree with all the different changes he's made, but this issue was really, really great. Do uh, these, I mean, do these changes matter? Do they stick no, no, around? No, but I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading the issue. And I'm, yeah. while, while I'm reading it, I don't agree with it. Right. But whatever, I move on. <laughs> I don't agree with you! <laughs> you know, not, not everything has to happen, you know, be permanent, but I don't have to agree with it. Don't you look up things on the internet that you don't agree with and just argue with random people? That's the oh. thing you do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. I, I like how Bruce had the yacht bugged with cameras. And it was labeled, right? Like Yacht Cam 7 or whatever it is? <laughs> yacht Cam 41. He's got, at least, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's got at least 41 cameras on this boat. <laughs> so I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, would either of you enjoyed anything that came after Secret Wars had ended if you had read it after Secret Wars ended instead yes. of? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Ron's had the biggest problem with that. Yeah, I just think that's the, that's the thing is that is that this is the eternal quandary. Here's the th- here's the problem is that event books exist and we know that and twice a year or whatever it is there's going to be a big event book you know in Marvel it's, it's usually like a a big world changing one and then like a smaller one right like that seems to be the schedule they're on right like every other one but when you do a huge yeah, then a re- when and when you do a huge world changing one that that is feeding the reboot, I just you know it's just got it's 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 got to go on time. And if it was like if it truly was an event book that was off to the side, then who gives a shit? Let, take take its time. Um, but you got a publishing schedule, and if you got other books that you know, like I I felt disconnected to the Marvel universe since since September, and I think a lot of it is because this did not finish on time. So what is it about this issue that made it okay for you? Well, no, I mean it was good. I mean that's the thing. Secret Wars has been great. Well, I mean Hickman. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about yeah. that. I, we've all enjoyed this book. Yeah. You just said you would not have as big of a problem if you had read this first. So what is it about this that changes things for you? Closure. Yeah, but the thing is this, and, and because yeah. I, I read it and I, at the end I went, okay, we knew that the whole world blew up and everything went back to some other form. Yeah. That was not the – that was the last thing that happened, but it wasn't really the point. The point was this final showdown between Reed and Doom, and I was like, well, that doesn't really have anything to do with any of those other things. Well, so I don't even feel like it got yes. spoiled. Yes and no, though. No, I don't think it got spoiled. I just don't think that it it, su- it sang as pretty as it could have could have. You know, like the fact. I mean, like you're right. I mean, ult- ultimately, this is the last chapter of Hickman's grand Fantastic Four story, 
Right. That's yeah. what it all co- it all comes down to. Reed and Doom, and uh, like I love that. I thought that showdown was great. I thought that fight was great. The you know Doom calling Reed a meddler and like the difference between them <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. You know, and you know I think it's kind of funny that Hickman uh, has instructed. I don't know if he's instructed the artist to or not, but uh, to uh, have Reed with a full beard. You know, and and uh, you know, which you know, kind of mirroring Hickman's own appearance. Not that he has a full beard, but you know what I mean. Everybody just has like, a full it, beard. Yeah, I know. Superman but the, had uh, one for a year. Yeah, sure. Where it comes down to, that was great. I, I mean, uh, Ribic is fantastic. But so, like, that makes sense from a story closure standpoint. But from a wider thing, you get, you know, the complete destruction of the multiverse, the reborn, the the reborn, you know, reemergence of an of an, a rebirth. Yeah, rebirth. Sorry, it's all the desert air. It's the meth. <laughs> it's the meth. It's a feel good. Re- I feel great. Let's go, guys. Let's run. <laughs> uh, but uh, but so then, um, uh, no, the the rebirth of a new multiverse that and and which is like to me, like I was like, oh, that's that's really exciting. I want to know more about that. I would have gotten excited going into the reboot, knowing that that was on the table. And then you know, and honestly, you know, it's it was spoiled in pages of other books. But mm-hmm. Doom not being all scarred is a big deal, you know. And that was a big that was a big end note capper, you know. And like and that mm-hmm. got spoiled. So I don't know. It's just it's tough. I mean, I get it. I mean, I know the argument. Watchmen ship late, and that's you know, and all that sort of stuff. And Civil War ship late is the biggest seller of all time. And all. Listen, but, and, I know Watchmen, and this, my friend, is no Watchmen. Yes. Well, well, that's my point: is that none of these are Watchmen. That's that's no. what always drives me crazy. Whenever Brevoort is on his his Tumblr that he thinks is a form spring and doesn't realize that it's not, uh, and he said, "Easy, they always make, easy, they always, big fella." Uh, they always make that. They always make that comparison that you know a Watchmen ship late and da, da, da. It's like right, but none of these are Watchmen. Like, when was the last time you even thought about Siege? You know, um, I think about Siege in the like like out of all of the events slash mini events, I was like, oh, I kind of liked that one. That's it. Yeah. That's my. That's my full. You know why? Because it. You know why? Because it shipped on time and it was short. So, <laughs> so anyway. is is this basically just Flashpoint? Pretty much. Yeah. They go into yeah. some sort of pocket universe that has been remade in someone's image, and then when they go back, it's the the world they return to is slightly off because it's based on the memories of someone else. Yeah, basically. Good point. I didn't think about that. This is basically Franklin's remaking of the of the Marvel universe, right? Yeah, yeah. That's why the books we're reading are some of them are slightly different, some of them are slightly off. The yeah. gamification of the remaking of the Marvel Universe, because that's how he looks at it. Yeah. He's doing um, this game thing. See, my my problem with the reboot that's not a reboot but is a reboot was that some of it felt like it was, and some of it felt like it wasn't. Yep, and yep. that was my. That's problem. the same thing we said about DC. Right. I don't think either DC or Marvel is fundamentally capable of completely wiping the slate clean. They don't have the stones. They don't have the stones to do it. I agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. So, but that said, I want to get away from that and just focus on the fact that so nine issues, Secret Wars is done. Was it? Was the whole miniseries good? You know, yes, and like it was really and, good. And the miniseries I, was. Yes, the story was agreed. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. well done. Rib- I just love Ribic. Oh, well, I'll just my only criticism is that, and I I hate when people say the art looked rushed because I don't know if it was rushed. I wasn't there when they drew it, but this yeah. issue looked like a. We have to get this done quickly. Issue like the it, it wasn't up to his normal level of polish, yeah. And I thought the coloring was also really right. Kind of and, flat. and part of it also is that it was just so publicized about the adding the extra issue and the delay in the schedule. So like you, if you can't read that, not independent of knowing that. I mean, it's, know? it still looks good, but if you compare, I mean, if you just look at the faces to some, you know, it just doesn't have the level of of detail yeah. and polish that his other ones do, which is fine. But still, an unpolished Ribic is still a good Ribic. Yeah, it is, and that one page with the all the basically reading Doom's face with all the yeah. little squares, I looked at that for a long time. I still am, because they actually made the I don't know it's the choice, but the, the pieces don't all match up, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. Like it makes it yeah. seem much more abstract than it is. It's just uh, that was really time. good. Yeah, yeah like, I'm still looking good. at it. It's very interesting, and you're not entirely clear which piece is who. And why and and how these guys are completely intertwined, and then you page, turn the page, and they literally are intertwined. I really, I didn't, I didn't get through. I can't get through most of uh, Hickman's long form arcs on stuff, but boy, reading this, he really does at least have a clear sense of the relationship between Reed and Doom, and it, it feels that consistent. That was fantastic. Yeah, no, I know that, and I, I'm not saying it wasn't. Because, but just, because of that, I mean, he really, yeah. he really gets their conflict really, really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's real. You know, one of the reasons why it was so good. Which Infinity Gem is that? Or I'm sorry, they're now called Infinity Stones. That Black Panther uses to save himself from the reboot. The yellow one. What's the yellow one? I don't know. Oh, I don't remember. It's time. I mean, the time gem. You have to be some kind of nerd to know that stuff. Time. 
time gem. Okay. So does that mean Black Panther knows that they're... He's well, not. He wasn't very good with the glove. He's supposed to be able to do anything with it, and he got his ass whooped. Yeah. I will say I was I was a little uh, disappointed that there was no Black Panther uh, wide eyes with the pupil drawn in like Ribic likes to do. I just find that hysterical. In the beginning, there was a wide-eyed one. I don't think it pupils. Yeah, but there was no pupil. Like I missed when he has in the pupil. Anyway. The lesson... He did have one surprised one. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. On the first page. The lesson to all this is always give the crazy homeless man a hamburger <laughs> because he might be the one that saves you from cosmic annihilation. If if you if I had had more than vaguely remembered that happening whenever it did six months ago, I would totally agree with you. I was like, right, I kind of remember what that is. So we ha- we haven't talked listen about- Watchmanship late. We want talked about The Walking Dead in a while. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was gonna say that we should give it a nod. Yeah, uh, you know what? This might have been my pick of the week. Walking wow. Dead one fifty. Yeah, I haven't said that in a while, but you know, <sighs> Walking Dead is a different thing now than it was uh, when I was really I guess when I was young more into it. You know, like, it, it just is a different thing. It holds a different weight. And they're doing the same thing in this book. You know, they're, they're churning it out. They're doing the story. I can't, I can't look at this and be like, oh, you've changed because of the show. I don't know because I don't watch the show. But I still read the book. But it's been going on long enough that you know, it's work to keep it interesting. And I, and I definitely feel like they're, they're putting that work into it. So it's, all, it's just a big soap opera. It's all these sort of, you know, uh, cha- you know, changes to what people are doing. And then their motivation, that changes and shifts. And there's a new danger and whatever. Um, so basically where we're at now is that there's a, there's a, they've got a really nice, healthy community going and they feel safer and things are better than ever and they get attacked and a bunch of people died by these other humans that have a different kind of thing going on and they, they dress up as the dead and that's the deal. And all, basically all the people were like, Rick, we need to go out there. Not all, but a bunch of people in the community were like, Rick, we need to go out there and wipe them out and get revenge. And Rick is like, I don't, I don't want to do that. That's, that's, not, that's not the world that we're in right now. And, and they don't agree with him. And he goes, last issue we went and he talked with Negan who he's keeping alive. And so you get, those are really interesting scenes. You know, like put those two characters in a room and let them go, that kind of thing. Um, and Nagin gave him some advice on how to do it. And basically, like, Rick took it. And you watch him, you know, do it. There's a couple of really interesting things that happen in here. Rick basically got attacked by two people in the, like, you know, just who were on part of their community. And he had to kill one of them. And, and the other one sort of ran away. And Rick was all bloodied and, and he's about to go up and talk to everybody in the community. And, and they're like, we had to clean you up first. He goes, no, no, they need to see me like this. And I was like, that was good work right there. And he gives a big old speech about how he's like, no, nope, we should go and kill all of those people. And they all start chanting his name, and it's super creepy. <laughs> well, I think one of the most interesting things that's happened in The Walking Dead recently, and I must, I'm still reading it trade, but I'm not that yeah. far behind at this point, is keeping Negan around as some sort of dark, uh, dark advisor to Rick. Yeah. And also the, the slow – I mean – I know the joke's always that Rick sucks. Everybody hates Rick. I actually like Rick. But, that, but, but making him slowly embracing that sort of darkness and that, yeah. you know, they're all chanting his name as he's covered in blood. He's talking about going to kill a lot of people is a dark scene. It is. It totally is. And I was like, all right, because, you know, it's, it's really easy to make him as the white knight and that gets kind of boring. So, you know, they all start chanting his name and they cut to Negan in his cell and Negan's just like, attaboy. Right. <laughs> Which is and it's, it's creepy. And I was like, and I finished it and I was like, yeah. And I haven't yeah. felt like that about in a while. Like I read Walking Dead and I enjoy it, and then I move on. And this one, I was like, oh, that was that was a little special. Which is issue one fifty, but they didn't make issue one fifty special by making it super big and having half it be in color or guest artists or whatever. They just did a good issue, and uh, and that was fun. And it, it needs remarking that uh, you know, in the midst of all of the phenomenal success that we've seen from Robert Kirkman, um, you know, he's still turning this thing out, and he's doing a good job of it. Yes. Yeah, they're on. I mean, and and having uh, Stefano Guadiano with Charlie Adler, you know, doing the inks on Charlie Adler, it, you know, helps them move faster. And yeah, I mean, 150 issues and no sign of stopping. I mean, that that, yep. that deserves a lot of respect. Absolutely, yeah. it was a good issue. So uh, the Mighty Thor number three, I enjoyed because it was just a straight up Thor versus Loki, and it was very clever in in that or, it was or the plural Loki, Loki. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where it was just basically every incarnation. Every incarnation of Loki that there's been versus Lady Thor. You know, I, th- I thought this was great. I mean, it's funny because it's like I feel as if in modern times no one has written Loki better than Kieran Gillen. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this was better than what Kieran had done, but it was like, okay, cool. This is good. This is Loki. You know what I mean? Like, once again, you know, Jason, we all know how great of a writer Jason Aaron is and how he gets, you know, he can get the voices and tones down and everything. And, you know, they're laying down, he's laying down this greater, you know, challenge for Lady Thor. And Loki is a big piece of it and always will be. And, you know, th- you know they're in- entwined, you know, like yin and, na- yin and yang. And, um, you know, I thought this issue really represented that well in a, like, this is where we are, you know, in 2016. 
you know, uh, kind of mm-hmm. setting setting the stage for Thor and Loki. It was just really good. I'm 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 enjoying Lady Thor so far. So uh, yeah, so good stuff. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I I will admit though, like there's a part of it, they cut at one point they. Like classic, just evil Loki, just old school 60s, yep. 70s Loki was just like, let's just kill them. And I was like, fucking A. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, like he just, his, his costume is totally simple. And I was like, that, guy, yeah, that one's awesome. Yeah. I really like that one. That's uh, the best you know, version of him. It is. You know, and all these other ones are kind of fun or whatever, but it's, it's interesting to show you how far away we got from that. Which is, you know, something about the strength of the character and what's going on and the sort of two female versions of the characters really going at it, you know, violently and was, was kind of was interesting. Uh, it was compelling. Not, not, not in a hot way. Yeah. No, yeah, no, no. I just want to, I want to define the really going at it. Yeah, no, that's a thank you for that. And I also really like the sort of the end cap, that last page, like, like, like Odin. Odin's not, he's not okay. Like no. it's messed up over there, and I and I really like that too. I like that and that's, that and that's like, that's the core of the issue, yeah, yeah. Which is the core, yeah, the, not the issue, this issue, but the issue at you know the problem that they're dealing with, you know. So yeah, they're about to they're about to punish it. He's about to punish his wife, and it doesn't seem like he's going to go easy on her. Yeah. So it's tough. Uh, it's good, yeah. tough being, tough being the all father. And 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 uh, credit to Russell Dodderman for sort of really selling all those different versions of Loki. Yep. Yeah. So every time I read a new issue of Huck, this week we had Huck number three from Mark Miller and Raphael Albuquerque, I get really scared because I don't want anything bad to happen to him. I know. I, just, I, I know just that see feeling. Something bad is going to happen to him, and I don't want it to. And every page I turn, I'm scared that's it's going to happen, and I'm just I don't want anything bad to happen. To him. It's funny because it's like it's an emotional button press that Miller has figured out now, and it's not exactly the same as the one in Starlight, but I feel like it's in the same category. It totally is. It's, it's not. It's not yeah. his previous work where this is like exploitative and and yeah. reveling, and this is like there's still a sweetness at the core of this book, and it, it you you can feel danger on the horizon, but it's not like. You know what was that book we hated uh, with the, the Joker who was Batman like that? It's not that kind of nemesis. Oh, nemesis, nemesis. Yeah, it wasn't like it's not like that kind of you know badness. It's just like no, nothing bad should happen to this man. He is great. He is as pure as pure comes, and you you and you're just like as much as he's doing good things and helping people, you want to protect him from the evils of the world that we know exist that he seems to be ignorant to. And that's why with every page turn or with every scene that doesn't involve him, it's like no 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 no, just leave him be, just leave him be. You know, like it's uh, and well, I. I, I I think it's great, and I, I love this. I love this story, and I want to see where it goes. But yeah, I'm with you, Connor. Where I'm like, on, I'm biting yeah. my nails because I don't want a bad thing to happen to him. With both this and Starlight, it's like they took the concept of the hero and did the opposite of everything that's been happening for the last thirty years, and made the hero more simple. Everything else in the world is the same, mm-hmm. yeah. but the hero's intentions actually, like, like there's not a complicated backstory. He's just a good guy, and he's kind of simple. And like the worst, the, the worst characters in anything I read this week were the the politicians in this. Yes, you yeah. know, calling him names and taking advantage of him, and like, like there's not going to be a twist where we revealed that there's something else going on with Huck, and I don't want there to be the character himself. I mean, like, like he's that he's different than what he appears. I hope not. That would be horrible because it's so sort of pure and simple, and he's just a good kid. They really made this elaborate. Uh, campaign photo happened really well. Like, do they have weights hanging around that you can sit on like that? <laughs> you got money you can make anything. Weld those together. Yeah. 3D yeah. printer. But uh, <laughs> it's I, a whole new world. It's great, and all the Albuquerque art's wonderful. And someone was in my office earlier today at work, and they were like, "Oh, looking at the the cover and the issue itself." I mean, it's. I love that he's so fast that he can just turn these out. Yeah, and, and I, I really feel like the the approach, the artistic approach he's taking with the kind of the the wash that's put, you know, like it 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 definitely is giving a tonal feel to the story that that is correct. You know, what I mean, like and Albuquerque is just showing so much range in the different stuff that he's doing. You know, and and I like how this is more on the uh, softer side. You know, and the visual um, representation of Huck is that of he looks like he's a character out of the 1950s. He wears yep. you know an old overalls, overalls yep. and cuffed boot, cuffed jeans with boots and. I mean, he, yep. he could be either from the 50s or from Brooklyn, but there's a visual representation that he's not like everybody else in this story. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I love it. Cool. So I got to say, I'm really enjoying All New Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Issue number four from Tom Taylor and David Lopez uh, and David Navarrote, uh, colored by Nathan Fairbairn. It's great. Um, with cover by Bengal, who I love. Bengal's great. If, yeah, if you, told, 
the yeah, well, the pitch is it's it's X twenty three is Wolverine, and she's she's found these other clones of her and Wolverine that are quote unquote her sisters, and they're you know they're they're trying to figure out who's trying to kill them, and they go to Doctor Strange for help, you know, like it's just it, it, it like reading it, I was like, wow, this is really good, like it, like. And I don't know if it's the David Lopez art because I feel like that's clicking. But whatever Tom Taylor is bringing to it, it just it seems as if it's not because the the concepts are ridiculous. And you know, and, and honestly, X twenty three as a character is ridiculous. But he's grounding it to a level that makes it like totally. Um, I can I'm I'm bought I'm buy, I'm buying in. You know, it, it it seems as if finally the X twenty three character of Laura, with taking the mantle of Wolverine, has matured. And evolved to a point. I feel like it's an evolution that no writer has been willing to do with this character because previously she was, you know, she was uncontrollable and she was feral and she was, you know, and and you know, just uh, you know, th- thought with violence and didn't. Know, but now she's actually thinking things through and try, you know, like, and you see that um, maturity in the character and it's 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 character growth and and it comes across by making the story better. Yeah, great great issue, good good series so far. I've been I'm I'm shocked that you're I'm, feeling better about Marvel in general right now. Um, I, I definitely it's starting to pick up, pick back up. It's definitely, and I don't know if it's the weight of Secret Wars being over, or the fact that okay, this is what's going on, but there is stuff that's picking up. But later, you know, after we talk about uh, some other right, stuff, okay, I've got some, I've got okay, some complaints, okay. but yeah, no. right. but uh, yeah, but yeah, Wolverine, it's it's been it's been a uh, a wonderful surprise. She's a good character, and she's they've had lots of time to you know play around with her when she didn't really matter to anybody. It makes well, I don't think, but that's the thing. I, I don't think she was a good character. I think she, I think she was a gimmick. A okay, we're gonna clone, we're gonna clone Wolverine and make it a and make it a girl and make it like his daughter. And I, they, I mean, and, it, and, no, it was developed into one. Eventually. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. And, but and then after years of just basically recycling the same story, it's nice to see somebody finally molding it into a character that actually has their own identity. That's that. I guess that's what it is. Well, we saw that. I mean, I I, I don't have a ton of X twenty three experience, but we saw that. Through Bendis's run, yes, a little through, bit. Uh, Avengers Arena, and yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, guessing yeah, exactly. whatever the what was the one before the Christos Gage one, Avengers Academy, maybe I think it was in yeah, there too. Yeah, so yeah. like this yeah. is not this is they've been going on a while. Like like Tom yeah, Taylor you're right. I should, give, I should give credit to those. Yeah, you're, that's fair. That's fair. I'll allow it. It softened yeah. the blow where you didn't open it up and go ugh. You know, like like it used to be like you'd see Deadpool and you go ugh, and like okay, well yeah. we've seen a couple of good Deadpool stories since then. You know, yep. it, there's there's been there's been groundwork. I suppose. Well, I'll, I will say that we're we're not talking about it, but now we're going to talk about it. But uh, the the issue of uncanny uncanny Avengers that came out, just Duggan knows how to write Deadpool. It's like that was it was good. I'm out. I'm out of Deadpool. I, by the way, anything Jer- anything to- anything Jerry Duggan writes, I'll read. Uh, that's why I'm still in. I just think I Jerry like Duggan- him a lot. I just I'm like I had to take I need to take a Deadpool break. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's gonna it's gonna be bad in the next in the next couple of months. It's gonna be. I know. Get ready. Get ready. So I know. Yeah. I'm aware. So let's talk about that. I'm so, gonna need. I'm gonna need Deadpool? money. Oh. I'm gonna need money for the Deadpool era. It's, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go away. I'm gonna go into the woods for a while. And uh, I need ifanboy.com/support is the place where you can go to take place in the new economy of entertainment. There you will find an Amazon link where if you buy things, it helps support the show indirectly uh, from Amazon.com. It doesn't cost you a thing. I think you know how this works. So uh, use that link for your Amazon purchases and it helps us out. That is a huge deal to us. So thank you very much for that. Or if you want to contribute directly because uh, you enjoy the show, you like what we do, and you, you want to you keep these things going, uh, go to uh, there and you can have a membership at $3 a month or $30 a year. Or you can just donate whatever it is that you would like through that. Uh, and, of course, uh, we really appreciate that and everybody who does it. And thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> so Citizen you. Jack, Citizen Jack number three from Sam Humphreys and Tommy Patterson. Are we liking this? How do we I, feel about it? I want to, but I don't yeah. like the demon part. Yeah. There was a western that came out from Image. Mm, second issue just came out, and the first issue was a month ago or so. Um, that's how those things work. And it was, I was like, oh, western. I started to read it, and I was like, oh, it's supernatural. And this is, I always forget that this book has a supernatural element. And this was the issue that it. Like the the demon that follows him around is like oh it's clearly not just his head he murdered somebody horribly or I don't know maybe made to but I don't I don't I don't like that part I like the rest of it I wish that it existed without that yeah um, if it was just if it was just an absurd political satire yeah it does it didn't yeah, it doesn't yeah. need that other thing you're making all those same points without the demon and yeah. maybe it's a symbol of something but I, I think it's it's overhand it just heavy handed so I've been reading it I don't know if I'll keep going I'm I'm kind of I don't like yeah, the demon. I'm, I'm reading it. I like it. I, I'm with you on the demon, although I don't think I'm as far as you are with the demon. Like I'm, I'm, I'm basically I'm dealing with it. But I really like Tommy Patterson. I, I, I like his Patara quietly vibe that he's got going, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick with it. Fair enough. It's a good, good looking book. It's, I think it's well written. But you know, compared to like, uh, like Prez or something, I'm like, well, yeah. 
Yeah. So, Ron, you recommended New Romancer when it came out yep. last month. So I, I read number one this week. Number two came out from Peter Milligan, Brett Parson. Um, this is the third Vertigo. Vertigo book I'm reading at the moment. Yeah. Vertigo Corner. Here we are in this Vertigo Corner. This is a Corner. weird book. I don't know yes, how to make it. I, I, made it, I made it about five pages in the first issue, and I thought, I don't, I don't want this. It's Milligan, man. You got Milligan, you got to love it. It's weird. It, it's not bad weird. I just don't know what I'm making of it yet. You know, this girl whose algorithm has brought Casanova and Lord Byron, Lord Byron to life. It's kind of fun, but I don't know yet. Like the sheriff of, ba- of Babylon or Baghdad, and then uh, and unfollow. I'm, I'm in with those. I know what I'm. I know about what I feel about those. I'm not sure what I feel about this one yet. Yeah, well, I mean, part of it, part of it for me, I think, is the well, Milligan is just out there. We know, we know he's out there. He's one of those, you know, he's one of those Grant Morrison corner types, you know. Sure. That are, you know, so, so you gotta be perfect. Completely for that. hit or miss for me, which yeah. isn't a bad. And, and I, but I like the juxtaposition of his oftentimes psychedelic or really wacky, zany, out there kind of ideas with the art of Brett Parson. Yeah, the art's great. Yeah, it's not a team I would think of, you know. So like the art comes off more as comedic, romantic, you know, like all that kind, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then it's you know, it's got the million weirdness. So it's it's working for me. I'm I'm enjoying it. I, I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm just I'm not sure yet. Yeah, no, I don't, it's the second issue. It's fine. Yeah. That was Vertigo Corner. Yes. You might wonder why I'm talking about Hawkeye again. I really am, to be honest. All new Hawkeye number three. I I hate it and I can't stop. I don't know what this is. Yep. Why? So why are you? Let's let's explore that. Why are you why are you reading if you hate it? I hate that I don't know why I'm reading it. Is kind of what I mean. I I do hate it. I think I'm pretty sure I hate. It. I don't want to hate it, but I do. So basically, what's going on here is that in the whole last arc, um, we had we had the the kids with the superpowers, and and in that story, Hawkeye gave them up, and I was like, that's really weird. And then this one, we've got present story going on, and then flash forward thirty years from now, and so we're comparing like Hawkeye's looking over his choices, and, and Hawkeye's just. He's just a miserable loser in this. But in the end, he goes to visit Barney, who stole all of his money at the end of the uh, Fraction Aja arc, I believe. Uh, Barney's brought, bought an island in the middle of somewhere, and he's happy, and he's raising a kid, and he wears a Tommy Bahama shirt. And he says something at the end where basically he's like, you need to go, you need to go find Kate and fix this. This is, the, this is the best relationship you've ever had. And it's, it's smart that you kept it not not romantic and he said you don't work without her just admit it and i was like what the no <laughs> I, I, that, and it, it made me angry i was like are you are you kidding me this is a character that i loved for decades before kate kate ever existed like you know, it's always nice ron whenever we uncover that part yep. of josh's fandom that he does get really hypersensitive and crazy about i love it Continue. he doesn't want to admit it exists no yeah. but that's that's like that's I, like, I, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with you. I'm just enjoying that's this. That's like Continue. saying that Cyclops doesn't work without that stupid mask. Like, it, yeah. that's new. That's not a thing, Hawk. You just don't work without her. What? <laughs> Are you insane? <laughs> and so, like, basically, they're retconning everything to say that, like, he's always been broken and damaged, you know, and in the future, she sort of turned into a version of him because of it. And then there's a time travel thing where I think they're going to go fix it. So why are you reading it? I don't know. It's it's for the same reason you same reason why I was reading the Flash for all those that the, when when they, with the twins remember like you just yeah. you you feel a connection to the character and the thing is like honestly you know we were joking about math earlier but like it's like oh this will be the issue that fixes it this will be the issue that fixes that is it what's you, happening yeah and you're stuck in that loop yeah yeah Beer and Ramon Perez those are two really good artists or yeah. creators they are good like, artists yeah that, yeah that's true yeah um, they are they're two great creators and I and I just. I don't. I don't want to be mad at them. I don't know what they're doing, and I'm just thinking. Well, listen, they're going to work this out. I don't know if they are. I think this is the new nope. Marvel. Well, the well, new Marvel version of Hawkeye is is well, the Fraction version who broken is broken and can't work without. And look, that was a fantastic story. One of the best things Marvel's put out in ten, last ten years. Absolutely, but, but but there's also been you know 50 years of Hawkeye stories. You know. Yep. That existed without all that stuff. Swashbuckling, not like they're just constantly talking about how broken and what a loser he is, and like. Come on. It's not like he was the guy who got it done even though he didn't have any of those powers. And that was something. He had swagger. And that's all gone. And, and, and they're taking it all away from him. And all the things that I liked are gone now. They, yeah. they, they aged Steve Rogers to the point where he's an angry septuagenarian. And now there's <laughs> this. And it's just like, well, what am I reading these for? Well, uh, uh, that's a good segue because Jeff Lemire also is writing Extraordinary X-Men. 
And this week, both Extraordinary X-Men number five and all new X-Men number three came out. And do you remember when – okay, so uh, do you guys remember when both of these books launched? Yes. Okay, what, what was, what was like my, what was my position – yeah, right, two weeks ago. What was my position on Extraordinary X-Men and all new X-Men? You, you liked remember? Extraordinary X-Men. You didn't really like all new X-Men because of the art. Right, yeah, somewhat. And now with the fifth issue of Extraordinary and the third issue of All New, mm-hmm. I am flipping and I say Extraordinary X-Men is on notice and All New X-Men is the future. Oh, wow. And this is what it comes down to is that – and what I really – what what while I said Marvel is picking up for me, what does upset me about Marvel in my little corner of fandom like like Josh with uh, – similar to Josh with his Hawkeye stuff is, of course, the X-Men. Specifically, I'm a big Cyclops fan and for some reason – there is now the demonization and lionization of Cyclops that is the pro- is the only motivation for any event that happens in an X-Men book. And it's all hinged around whatever happened that we haven't seen or don't know about because of the Secret Wars time jump. And I've read both these books, and I'm enjoying both of these books. I don't have... Yeah. I mean, I have a different view of it than you, because obviously. Yeah. Well, uh, but, 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 but it's the I'm same sorry. way you have a different view of Batman than I do. It's just that you know. True. Yeah. No, I understand. No, but you've got, but you've got to admit, and, and the thing is, no, no, but, 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 let me get to my finish my point, which okay. is, yeah. Cyclops has been hanging over the X Men for the last, yep, ten years. It feels like that he's been sort of the main driving force, the villain, and they really had a chance to do something new with this, you know, reboot. That's not a reboot by doing away with that and starting yep. fresh. And that this is the. The stuff that Marvel, to me, has not done well is that this is your chance to start over with the X-Men and not have it all be about Cyclops again. So yep. this, as much as I've enjoying these books and I am, it does feel a little like it's the same old thing because it's still all about Cyclops. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, and what, 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 and Doug, Doug, art-wise, Humberto Ramos is yes. fantastic and I'm enjoying that, yeah. But um, you don't have Storm get up on a podium in front of media and... Defend the the mutant the, defend mutants by saying we are all not Scott Summers we are not you know like you know, and you know like that that's fine like thirty years of life together and working together and everything Cyclops has done like and I, and unless I know what this pivotal moment is like I don't agree with this mm-hmm. and it just and it just upsets me but then then over in all new X Men you have you know the kind of reemergence of the teen Scott Summers and dealing with those with the with the gang of of mutants who are, have adopted the X band over their heads and doing it in the name of Cyclops and stepping up and, and saying, well, no, actually, I am Cyclops and you guys shouldn't do this and go the, the way. And it felt much more optimistic. It felt more more looking forward as opposed to looking back or looking back and 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 jumbling up the present because of whatever happened. So I don't I'm, know. I just, I'm, I'm hoping yeah. that with these – I mean you basically have the end of these two arcs, which is interesting. Yeah. Only about three-issue arcs. I'm mm-hmm. hoping that each one now moves forward. I don't know that they yep. will, but – they're both at a point where they can move forward. We don't have to be dealing with Cyclops all of the time. Well, and, and I think, and I think there's a bigger pro- there. There are two big problems with the X Men books right now. Is that w- the reaction with whatever happened with Scott Summers that we don't know about, and whatever the schism that occurred, which is related with Scott Summers, but the whole mutants versus Inhumans thing, and. Now I don't read in humans, so I'm. It, this could be explained in other books. No, on they, caveat, they, they barely mentioned the right. The so the thing is that you have this schism and there's these little callouts to it, right? Like like where Iceman talks to an Inhuman and and, and then later on, while Storm's giving her speech, says we can all live in peace, humans and Inhumans alike. And you see like Iceman look at the Inhuman walking away, like mm-hmm. you know. And I get the I get the emotional notes it's trying to hit, but we don't have the context. Mm-hmm. And everyone working on these books has the context, and I don't think they re- they don't realize that we don't know what the hell they're talking about, and it's not. It's not hitting the notes they wanted to, and that's it's it's frustrating. So um, I'm hoping, like you said, they move forward and we can turn around. We and I'm not to say I want to know the the full. I don't need every answer, and I know it's a story it's going to develop, but I need to have the context to have the reaction you want me to have. Right. So um, yeah, that's all. The covers for this all new X Men have been very indicative of the story. I mean, that each one is basically yeah. Cyclops looming over everyone. Yeah. And so there you go. Yeah. I don't like that either. Yeah. Just I'm with you, Rob. I like Cyclops as a character. Yeah, he's, no he's a great character. Yeah. So those are the books we're going to talk about. You go to fanboy.com and you can find the post for this show. You can talk about these books or other books that you read this week, this past week, uh, all at fanboy.com. Let's do some emails. The first one's from Patrick from North Carolina who says, I was thinking about how creator credit is given for characters. For example, Spider-Man was created by Stan Lee and Steve, Steve Ditko, which, uh, which they were the writer and the artist of that issue. I thought about this as a good 10 hours or so and wondering why the colorist, inker, and the letterer are not given creator credit as well. Hopefully you have some insight. First of all, ten hours is—it's it's like, not enough. It's like it's entry not enough. level. Yeah, I mean, right. You, you need I mean, a, amateur you need bill. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
until you see a sunrise and a sunset during your thinking session, yeah. you're, you're you're just it's it's, it's I, need, I need a shot of you in time lapse where the sun passes yep. over three or four times. I want to see a flower get, bloom. Yes. Yep. I want to see pages come off a calendar. I want to see yeah. snow fall on you and then it melts away and then it's then <laughs> grass grows. I want to see your child grow up and you send them off to college and then yeah. you talk about what you think. And then about. you've never met your grandchild before. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then you might start to understand this. And then we yeah. might respect your, the time you put in. Yeah. So, but. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think the I think the biggest the biggest thing and what he's commenting here about is that the colorist, inker, and letterer. There's a difference between creating the product mm-hmm. and creating the subject of the product. Yep. And what's happening is that the writer and artist collaborate to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then they hand it off to the colorist, inker, and letterer who then apply the finishing touches to it in each of their respective things. Now, in modern comic creating and stuff like that, there's often, you know, the writer and artist do something, they give it to the letter, and the letter goes, well, what if we do this? And then they change it from there. And then that's a cre- then it gets gray area. But this is the 60s. This is yeah, in the 60s, the base level Spider-Man and, and you know, Stanley and Steve Ditko, they handed it off to the colors who colored it and worked on the next book. He wasn't thinking it was, about it. It was just some person right. that they brought and, in. They weren't necessarily masters, some of the letters. Yeah, but but uh, especially not the colorists. Oh God, the coloring. But they was were so like, nice. but they were like craftsmen. Is, yeah. is I guess but, getting at. Yeah, exactly. The colors exactly. were the colors were just production people who cut color out of and yeah. you know apply them to the page. To that point, they're not they're not picking the colors. The artist like Dicko, he picked the colors. He said that's blue, that's red, that's green, and then the colors just put them in. You know, so it's you know, I mean, now it's a lot different. Modern colorists bring a lot of flair, and they're they're truly artists and things like that. But back then, it was very very simple. And they also, were, the characters were not necessarily created. Because they all worked in the first issue doesn't mean they were cre- they created it before the issue yeah. was done. They, they said we need a new yeah. character, let's create it. They went in the room, but anyway, right. the point is it wasn't. It's not cut and dry. Like everyone who worked in the book is a creator. It's whoever came up with the idea of it and then fleshed out the idea and made the idea. Yeah, you know? and, and there's there's so there's so much confusion over that term creator. That's the, and that's what the, it comes down to: the creation of the concept versus the creation of the product. Correct. And it's not diminishing the people who create the product, but a lot of times they're not the creators of the property, you know. And so it's 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 confusing. But good question, though. No. Yes, good answer. Right, totally on. different one than I would have given, but I think it was better, so I'm happy with that. All right. On to our I next email. On to our next email from Ryan from Cincinnati, who says, now that The Force Awakens is in theaters and everyone has seen it, are you back in blackout mode? <laughs> I took the similar approach as most of you did and was on a near blackout until the film was released. That meant no magazine articles, no internet blurbs, no action figures, no Legos. The only thing I allowed myself was to read Ruckus Shattered Empire comic. I allowed myself to watch the trailer only in a movie theater, and then it was unavoidable to see one or two TV spots, but covered my eyes sometimes for those as well. Good effort there. Ryan, good job. The question is now, where do we go from here? I love talking with, fr- with friends' uh, theories, but I'm holding strong against reading anything on the internet about it. However, I noticed that Greg Rucker also put out a book with Phil Noto called Before the Awakening, and without much thought purchased it, but then realized it was some backstory for the characters and wondered if it will spoil anything for future movies. So my question is, where do you guys stand now on Blackout? Would you really pass up a Greg Rucker and Phil Noto Star Wars book for years until the next one or two movies? Yes. No. Yes. Uh, if, no. It's, if it's released now... The people who hold the keys to the can and say that's okay for us to know this now. But they were saying, they, they I mean, they were saying that, that before. before the Force Awakens came out. That, yeah. By that logic, you should have read everything. Oh, yeah, fair enough. So you're not reading that Rucka book? I'm not reading anything. Well, yeah, but the, when it comes but out the, in two years. I'm not reading that book either, but I, I feel less. I wanted to be introduced to it through the movie. Yes. Yes. I, I think this was a really. At first, I was like, that's a silly question. And then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? No, that's a good question. Because. You know, basically what you're saying is, are you going to eschew everything not movie to increase your enjoyment of movie? And the answer right. is yes. Which is something I've been thinking about is that a lot. How many hours? I, <laughs> How I many mean, sunrises? Like, I know that you guys thought that I was sick for six weeks. But <laughs> yeah. Not oh, wow. I, I went into, you know, deep thought mode. I mean, it was, it was just grazing the surface, really, at six weeks, but... So, you know, like the, you're, basically you have to decide what your experience of Star Wars is going to be. Like, and, and I don't think there's a wrong answer with it, but if you just say, I just wanted to be the movies, I just wanted to be the three movies, or I just wanted to be the four movies, or whatever combination, you kind of have to make that choice for yourself. It's a personal decision. It's like religion. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, personally, I was relieved to have seen the movie and be able to not to lift a blackout because yes. it was so tiring. Um, yeah. But. That said, like I looked at that book and I was like, oh, I might read that. I haven't yet, but I might, you know. And like yeah. I'm not. And like I don't know at what point we go back into blackout mode for Rogue One 
but right now I'm enjoying it and I'm, I'm immersing myself in the world. And, you know, right. I did my, my friend Neil does a podcast called in traffic and he asked me to come on to talk more about it. I did. And we talked, you know, who is Ray and talked all those dumb theories and stuff like that. It's fun. That's, that's part of the fun of it. So the way I look at it is that now that the movie is out, you know, I imagine anything that comes out, the people making this stuff don't want to ruin it for us either. And so they're not going to reveal anything in this rock of book that came out. Like that's the way I look that at is it. The like same, they, again, that's the same as the book that came out before the movie. But he's already yeah. been, but you've already seen this movie. So now it's kind of yeah. like it's blown open, I guess. Now, so I was listening to the Star Wars minute and they were talking about like, did you see, would you watch Rebels? And I started thinking like, well, do I want to see that or, or Clone Wars or whatever? And my first instinct was, oh, that, I don't want any of that stuff. And then I thought, yeah, but isn't that what we all wanted when we were younger? Like, like to have a bunch of Star Wars stuff and telling a big story. And I was like, I guess there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I, I just did simplify what I wanted out of it. I guess. But I, I don't think know, anyone's saying there's anything wrong with any of it. No, I, I know, I know. But I just don't. So, I don't I want it personally. Everyone decides what level of engagement yeah. they want to involve. It's a personal preference. Yeah. Also, my, I don't want it to be one of the things I liked about Star Wars is that it wasn't so huge. There was a lot there that you could work with. It wasn't so huge that you could never. You know, you could never grasp all of it, and it got that way. You know, by the time that the that the new movie started, like there was so much when they sort of got rid of all that quote unquote canon. Like there was so much, yes. and it was it was overwhelming. And I remember, like specifically, I was reading the Rogue Squadron books, and I'd finished the first one, which I don't remember anything about. And Corrin I Horn, Corrin Horn. Okay, Corrin I started Horn. to read the second one, and I was like, you know, fifty pages into this, went, I don't want this, yeah. and I just stopped, and I never read a Star Wars book again. Well, we we talked about this before, but you know, you know, my, my, when I stopped when I stopped reading, sure, it was the the yeah, the hardcover came out because the thing was the way it worked was that there were they they hit a nice rhythm in the late '90s with these books where they were pumping out these paperbacks, which were like pulp paper, you know, pulp adventures, and I loved them. You know, there was there was the Jedi Order one, there was the Rogue Squadron one, or whatever. I read them all, I ate them up like you know, whatever. And then every year there'd be a major hardcover, single, you know, self-contained uh, story. And I remember it was like night wasn't it 1999 or 2000? We it was like college, right after we college. college. Yeah, it was the end, but it was end of college. Yeah, but I remember reading it in my in my broken down house in college. Like, yeah. I remember reading it. And in the PR of the book, they said this is the book where Chewbacca pays his life at the Han and dies. And I was like, you know, I don't want to live in a world without Chewbacca. I'm not. I'm going to stop here. And then I never looked back. And you don't. So it's all good. Yeah. Somebody so. else heard your plea. They're yeah. like, No, no, we got more Wookiee action. <laughs> The movie has reignited my love for the entire thing, and I just I'm happy to have it be that. Yep. I don't need I don't need to get back into the whole long thing of all these different stories. I just I'll be happy with. The movie. And you're not you're not reading any of the comics, right? I'm not reading any of the comics. I'm not oh, reading wow. any articles. I'm. Are you not, you're not. Are you going to read James Robinson's C3PO Red Arm story? No, no. <laughs> not even a, you're not even a little curious. Somebody Come asked on. me how do you get the arm. I said how do you get the arm? He lost his other arm. They didn't have a replacement arm in the right color. They just fucking put a red arm on his body. That's all. If it's any more than that, it's fucking stupid. Have you ever thought that there was a writer more poised to write C-3PO than James Robinson? <laughs> right? If C-3PO right? has a giant dong in the story. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, R2 would have that. Then I'll read it. But <laughs> I, I'm happy we just – because, look, we're going to get a new movie every calendar year. So that's fine. I don't need any more than that for Star it Wars. It might be more than fine. <laughs> it might be more than every calendar year. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But uh, yeah, my blackout is still pretty much in effect. It's exhausting. Like I've already been spoiled by for Rogue One stuff. I did not want to know, and I'm pissed. So I don't, no, know. I don't know anything about Rogue One, so don't tell me. You shut up. You shut your mouth. So there you go. Hey, yeah. hey guys, we got a voicemail. We got a voicemail. Been a while. Hey! Hi, guys. This is Eric from the Comic Book Podcast Companion calling in. After listening to your show last week, uh, I listened to you guys talk about getting rid of your collections, and you know, I didn't have to think about it very long to come up with a tip for people who might be trying to unload theirs. I live up in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, and when it came time to unload my collection, I could really use the cash, but I didn't want to deal with a comic store that might only take parts of my collection. Well, we have a chain up here, and it looks like they're kind of throughout the Midwest called Half Price Books. They will buy literally any comic book that you bring in, and they'll give you a really fair price for them. I think I brought in, I've, over the years, I've brought in close to 20 long boxes. At one point, I think I brought in 16 all at once, and they took them without question, and I got a fair price. Anyway, that's all I've got. Oh, and I do want to thank Ron for coming back to the show and making my book slightly more relevant again. Thanks, guys. Eric, my good buddy Eric. It's been a while. Eric's a great guy. And that's some great advice. And in fact, just recently, I had a friend of mine, uh, uh, 
uh, asked me uh, they had a, uh, someone in their family had a bunch of comics that they're trying to get rid of and what they can do with them. And I did, you know, I was like, you know, you could donate them, like Connor did. I said, or you know, I know of a comic book store in your in your town that's pretty good. Go check with them. And I talked to the retailer, and he's like, yeah, tell them to bring it in. And you know, and and the thing is, is that what Eric said is that you can bring in your comics and sell them and get a quote unquote fair price. You just really need to set your expectations low for yeah, what is fair. a fair price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, selling is selling- issue. You're doing okay. Yeah, selling is an option. I mean, but yeah, you got to be, you got to recognize that most often you're barely going to get, you won't even get cover price. You're operating so. at a loss in those. those definitely not going to get cover price. Yeah. That discussion last week about me you know, donating my comic collection really set off a lot of discussion yeah, yeah. on the website, on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, I got, a, I got messaged all pla- all places that you can message me, and uh, people mm-hmm. are either feeling anxious about it, have thought about it, but I guess no one's ever verbalized it. You know, did it themselves, feel guilty. There's all kinds of things going on out there. It's really interesting how all the different anxieties that came up from that, that conversation. I feel good about it. Yeah. And, and who knows? You know, you, 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 never, you, you might find somebody who will give you more than a fair price. You know, I mean, if you, you know, like it's, 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 you'll get what you put into it, basically. So if you want to spend the time putting your books up on eBay and doing all that sort of stuff, you, could, you, know, you can make, you you do really well if you want to. Yeah, if you want to spend time trying to find a dealer that does really well, you know, like, or you can find a dealer that just buy. I know, I know of retailers who literally buy comic collections by the pallet. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, I'll give you, you know, five hundred dollars for a pallet of of eight long boxes, or whatever. It's like, oh, geez, you know, so um, I would do that in matter- a second. I wouldn't even check the boxes. But here, I can make some connections for you if you want. You think California? Uh, that's going to eat into my no, I think the Michigan a, ten cent return issue. One's in Pennsylvania, I think. So, but um, Dutch country, Josh, you can have a nice little outing. Shipping yeah. pallets is cheaper than you think, by the way. Um, I found that I found that out the hard way. Uh, yeah, interesting. And Eric, I'm glad to hear you're still listening. Those, those who don't know, Eric wrote a book about podcasting called The Podcast Companion. I think it's still available. The Comic Book Podcast Companion. It's still available. Yep. It's from Tomorrow's. Yep. It's still available on the website. In fact, it's on sale right now, 15% off. So if you want to read about the first wave of comic book podcasts, their histories, the people behind them. Us, around comics, Comic Geek Speak, right? Yeah, award Blue. Augie, yeah. Augie's in there, I think, right? Yeah, so uh, that's what Tomorrow's.com, I believe, is... But tomorrow's is the publisher. If you the comic book podcasting companion, right. if you want to read about this stuff. Thanks for calling in, and it's yeah. fortuitous you called in, uh, Eric, because we are actually announcing on our show this week that we're getting rid of the voicemail. Voicemails tend to be long responses to things we've said on the show, which is fine, but we just can't use them on the show. And as a tool for content, it's not really. It's, we're finding better value in the email. So next week will be the last show in which you can call in for a voicemail. We, were, we thought we'd give you one more week if you had a voicemail in you. You've always been meaning to call. You can do it for one more week. So next week's show, we'll play as many good voicemails as we can. And what is a good voicemail, Connor? Give it around 30 seconds. Ask us a good question. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Try not to be in a wind tunnel. And listen, we don't want to get any before Wednesday or so because you need to think about it for at least that long. <laughs> no, but also we don't want to get any like last minute. So yeah, so, so make, sure you get, make sure you get them in by th- end of day Thursday the 21st. Is that fair, Connor? Or? Yeah, we tend to record on Friday yeah. mornings. Yeah. So uh, if you want to get your voicemail on the show one last time, you want to hear your voice in the show, you want to get your question in, calls it 888-FANBOYS-326-2697. And let's set a deadline of 5 p.m. Eastern time on the 21st. How's that? Correct. So, so right. get it in before that, it'll be consideration for the show. We're not going to play 100 of them, but we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. pick out the best you know, handful and play those on the you show. Know, yeah, and we can, we can go light on the books that week. We can just do kind of some quick hits and then spend a good time, on the, assuming we get any. I mean, yeah, yeah. Knowing, the, knowing what the flow of voicemails has been, we, we won't get many, So, and that's why we're shutting it down. Yeah, so there you go. So those, that's it for voicemails. But if you want to get your question on the show, get your comment on the show, join the conversation, email us at contact.ifanboy.com, and don't forget to tell us who you are and where you're from. And George Clooney, if you've been listening this whole yeah. time, now's the time. Now is, now is the time. Yep. I mean, I need my dog after you, man. Call in. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, one quick plug from me is that Ron and I are going to do a podcast on DC's Legends of Tomorrow, the uh, new show from the CW, the superhero team-up show that's coming out of The Flash. That show premieres on the 21st, which means sometime later after that. Sometime after that, yeah. <laughs> Probably record that weekend and put Science. the show out soon enough. But DC's Legends of Tomorrow, is, we'll talk about that. It'll be fun. All right. Looking forward to it. And it's always fun. What's also fun is our other podcast, uh, Goodfellas Minute, which we've told you about on every other show since we've launched it. But in case you haven't checked it out yet, we're analyzing the Martin Scorsese picture, Goodfellas, one minute at a time. Uh, you can go to goodfellasminute.com where you can subscribe there um, and check it out. It's uh, If you enjoy uh, good movies, it's, uh, we've got some good guests. Great guests. Uh, yeah, great guests. Some, some really great episodes coming up. Um, so, yeah, so make sure you subscribe, get on board now. Tell your friends. Please tell your friends. Spread the word about Goodfellas Minute. And if you like our show or that other show, any of the shows, 
shows. You could uh, one of the all things you can shows. do that really all great shows. One of the things you can do is to uh, review them in iTunes or whatever. Uh, does, does Stitcher have reviews? Do they have reviews and other things? Things probably. Uh, I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know anything about Stitcher. I, I know. I know it's a thing. But if uh, that's one way that you can actually definitely, we, of course, we want to get to a thousand written reviews this year. So if you've been thinking about it, then now's the time. But better yet, even if even if you don't want to go through the hassle of doing that in writing, uh, you know, let people know about it. You are our uh, street team, our word of mouth. Um, whenever we hear anybody ask, you know, what a good comic uh, podcast is, and, and people uh, write back uh, and say, "I fanboy," we really appreciate that. And uh, you know, that's literally how it gets passed around at this point. So thank you for that, and, and keep that up, and do those kind of things, and uh, we appreciate it. And head over to ifanboy.com to comment on this show, talk about this week's books. You can find all of our other podcasts there, including our special edition shows like the one we did in Star Wars, which I keep getting feedback on. People telling me how much they enjoyed it. You can also follow us. At, actually, it's funny. A friend of mine's boss told him that he was a big fan. And he didn't, they didn't know that he knew me, and it was, it was one of those situations. Where you, you nice. Follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy and on ifanboy on Twitter. You can follow us individually, J.A. Flanagan, C.S. Kilpatrick, and Ron XO. Excellent. All right, fun week. Hopefully I'll make it back uh, to civilization and be on the show next week, or I might die in the desert. Stay tuned. They'll run you down. They'll yeah. run you down. Yeah, and I, I can get a good, I could probably keep up the chase for a good, like, six miles, but then after that, I'm, you know. So. <laughs> in the desert, <laughs> if they're in a car, though. I'm screwed, yeah. You better so. be hydrated. Well, only yeah, if the chase point. is that they're also jogging. Yeah, that's true. A good yeah, point. That's a good Any point. other form of locomotion, you're hosed. Yeah. All right, so until then, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Ah!